This message is brought to you by Mill City Church in Lowell, Massachusetts. For more information, please visit millcitychurch.net. Brothers and sisters, are you ready to study God's Word together this morning? Turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This morning we're going to learn from a first century group of Christians who lived in very turbulent times themselves, but who chose to live radically generous lives towards other people anyway. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and you follow along with me either in your own copy of God's Word or it'll be on the screens behind me. Paul wrote this to the Corinthian believers. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord." And then by the will of God to us. The story is told that one day a beggar by the roadside asked for alms from Alexander the Great as he passed by. And the man was poor and wretched and had no claim on, uh, upon the ruler. No right even to lift a solicitous hand to him. Yet the emperor threw him several gold coins. And one of his attendants was astonished at his generosity and commented, Sir, copper coins would adequately meet a beggar's need. Why give him gold? And Alexander responded in royal fashion, Copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. You see, there was a type of generosity that was in keeping with Alexander's royal identity. And likewise, I would argue to you from the scriptures this morning that there is a type of generosity that should simply bear forth from the Christian's royal identity. Because when Jesus saves your soul, he also changes your life. And one of the major marks of that changed life is the way in which a Christ follower practices generosity towards others, even in the midst of some of the most trying circumstances one might experience. It's one of the ways we show our neighbors in this world that we're ultimately citizens of another world. And in our passage today, it's what the Macedonian Christians did. They showed an otherworldly generosity in a time where it simply didn't make human sense to do so. In their most adverse poverty, they were sacrificially, financially generous. And though their circumstances could have led to simply dispositions of despondency or grumbling or complaining, instead they responded with dispositions of joy. 
And in a time where their neighbors inordinately focused on the needs of self, the Macedonians instead radically focused on the needs of others. So that's what I want to challenge you with from the scriptures this morning. How can we, how can you, how can I model this type of radical generosity in the midst of our own turbulent times? I want you to learn today how to be generous with what you have, with what God has given you, so that you can focus on the needs of others while so many in our world are inordinately focused on the needs of self. So here we go. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now in multiple places in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul challenges his churches to participate in what's been called the Jerusalem Collection. And what this was is it was in essence in a, 21st, a first century version of what we might in the 21st century call a love offering. And that love offering was for impoverished Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem. And so what Paul did, either by courier or in person, is he would challenge his congregations to set aside resources for those Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And then when either he or one of his companions was traversing through town, they would collect that and bring it back to Jerusalem in order to meet the needs of the brothers and sisters who were there. But the Corinthians... You know, there are so many conversations that could start that way, theologically speaking, but the Corinthians, because the Corinthians were always slow to come around to faithfulness, and they were always slow, it seemed, to come around to practicing the gospel. The Corinthians were being really slow to fulfill their commitment to this collection, some even trying to get out of it all together. And so Paul challenged them. And Paul challenges them here in 2 Corinthians 8 and also over in chapter 9. He appeals to a very unassuming and unlikely source of model Christian behavior. It were the Macedonian Christians. It was a group of Christians who were very impoverished themselves. And Paul, Paul puts them up as a model for the Corinthians to follow And really and truly, the Corinthians would have thought that they had it all set, that they were the ones who should have been followed. But it's the Macedonians that Paul says should have been followed because their example was so powerful. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know today that the Macedonian example from 2,000 years ago is still very powerful for you and for me today. Because in a year where we've experienced economic uncertainty, some of us in this room or who are watching today you're experiencing even personal economic hardship because of the pandemic. In a year where we've experienced such disagreements and vitriol in our public discourse, in a year where we've seen and heard our friends and neighbors just simply living on edge with one another, we need to learn much about generosity today. And we can do so from these first century Macedonian believers. And so as you pick up your outline and follow along with me this morning, I want to show you two big picture truths for us to both cherish and know, but also to put into practice as we leave here today in the midst of turbulent times. 
And so in the midst of turbulent times, remember this. First, remember God's incredible generosity towards you. Remember God's incredible generosity towards you. I know that this year has been trying. It has been trying on so many of us on so many different levels for so many different reasons. I get it. I'm there with you. And if there were ever a year to justify our grumbling, justify our complaining, or to justify doubling down on simply playing it safe financially in our own worlds, then I think 2020 would probably be a leading contender where that would take place. But look with me at the text at Paul's appeal to the disobedient Corinthians. Go down to verse 9. In verse 9, he wrote this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now, of course, what Paul is pointing towards here is not some sort of earthly material wealth that that Christians receive upon placing faith in him. No, instead... What he's doing is he's pointing towards the spiritual wealth, the spiritual blessings in answer to our very low spiritual bankruptcy. And so Paul ultimately elevates Jesus as the ultimate appeal for our generosity. When in doubt, Jesus is the right answer, right? But it totally is here, of course, Because we don't need to forget the incredible generosity that God has shown to us. If you, especially if you are here today, if you are watching today and you have tasted a drop of the salvation of God that comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we of all people can bask and our remembrance of the incredible generosity of our God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love the play on words that the apostle uses here. Though Jesus was rich, he made himself poor, so that you in, his pov- in your poverty might be rich like him. But this isn't the only place in the New Testament where we read language like this. To the Ephesian church, in Ephesians chapter 1, this same Apostle Paul wrote this in verse 7. He says, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And I love this, which he lavished upon us. If you're not freaked out by writing in your Bibles... That word lavished is a great word to underline, circle, highlight, draw arrows to whatever you need to do because it is such a rich word. I love the language. God lavishes his blessings on us. It's like standing at a fire hydrant with a little paper cup. Our God doesn't give to us begrudgingly. He doesn't bless us sparingly. Our God, thank God, doesn't dole out discount blessings 
Unlike you or me, when it comes to giving to his people, God doesn't coupon. Instead, he wholeheartedly, sacrificially, and lavishly blesses us in all ways, great and small. Is there anyone in the room thankful today? This is so crucial for us to remember in times like these. Because see, when we're brought in the midst of adversity, when we're brought in the midst of turbulence, all we can see is here. And all we see is the adversity. All we see is the turbulence. And in the midst of that turbulence and adversity, what we need is to remember. We need to remember the blessings. We need to remember the gifts that God has given to us so that we don't forget them. Because when we forget them, we will be brought low. And when we're brought low, we will become selfish. We will turn inward rather than outward. And I get it. Things have been hard. Culturally speaking, contextually speaking for us, it's been a challenge And I know that it doesn't take a lot of work right now to find something to complain about. And I know that it's very easy to lash out or just simply get frustrated at the mundane. And I know that for some of you, I want to be very careful this morning because I know that for some of you, you're experiencing real hardship. And you're experiencing real economic pain. And it is not my goal today to compound guilt upon your struggle and somehow trying to strong arm you into doing something that's not in your heart or even beyond your, within your means. But what I want us to see this morning, before we ever think about reaching out to others, before we ever think about being generous towards others, that you remember God's own generosity towards you. And how much he sacrificed for you in the midst of his poverty in order to bring you out of your spiritual bankruptcy. And when you stop to consider his generosity towards you, that's the place where your own generosity begins to be defined. Because the ultimate goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus. Amen? Do our Bibles teach us that? Bibles teach us to be like Jesus. And I would submit to you that you are most like Jesus when you're generous. Because Jesus generously gives and gives and gives more grace to you. As the old hymn says, he giveth, he giveth more grace. So in the midst of your own turbulent times, first... Remember God's incredible, lavish generosity towards you. Now, when you do that and you remember what God has bestowed upon you, there's a second truth I want you to learn today. And it's this. You should respond. So when we remember, then we respond. We respond with incomprehensible generosity towards others. When we remember the incredible generosity that our God in Jesus Christ has shown towards us, we now respond with incomprehensible generosity. 
towards other people. Look at how Paul distinguishes the generosity of the Macedonians in verse 1, how he relates to it. He ultimately calls their generosity the grace of God. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. He ultimately calls the Macedonian sacrifice, the Macedonian offerings, the Macedonian money that was giving the grace of God. The attitudes they displayed, the money they gave, all of it was ultimately from God. And here's where we learn a very important truth this morning. As followers of Jesus Christ, who cherishes his gospel, who cherishes gospel you and I are the spiritual PVC pipe of God's generosity from heaven to earth. That's worth repeating this morning. As followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are the spiritual PVC pipe of God's generosity from heaven to earth. And through the gospel of Jesus, here's what happens. He attaches us to the wellspring of his grace. And then what he does is he flows that grace. He flows that generosity through his people to a watching and receiving world. He dispenses his grace through our kindness, our generosity, and our gifts. And so I don't want you to miss the intentional language I chose in today's outline. We respond with incomprehensible generosity towards other people. In other words, our generosity as Christians shouldn't make sense to people. In times like this, our generosity should cause people to stop in their tracks and say, wait a minute, come again? Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you responding the way you're responding? How, how are you responding the way you're responding? Our generosity should cause people to stop and look around and say, there's something different from there Please explain it to me. Brothers and sisters, in a year where people stockpiled toilet paper and Clorox wipes, might Christian generosity stick out a little conspicuously? Might that show something a little different to the world? The Macedonians' generosity didn't make sense in their impoverished circumstances. It didn't make sense for them to be as radically generous as they, were, as, as they were. And brothers and sisters, I would argue to you in the midst of our current circumstances, though they are very different than the first century Macedonians, I could make an argument to you that our generosity shouldn't make sense in the midst of our world either. But what in the world does this look like, right? 
So you're sitting there, okay, Chris, I get it. I get that God has been radically generous towards me. I get that a proper response to that generosity from God is to be incomprehensibly generous towards other people. But what does that look like? I mean, do I go home and sell my house now and sell my car and just start walking and giving everything? To somebody, God may call you to do that, and I'm not going to argue with God. But for most of us, We can practice this in very mundane, regular ways. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time this morning is just to show us at least five areas of our lives where I believe that we can be incomprehensibly generous to those around us. And I believe that every one of us, if we will listen to God and we will hear from the scriptures this morning, you could walk out today with at least a little bit of a battle plan of knowing how to be more generous in this world and showing the generosity of Jesus. Okay, so here's five areas through which you might respond with incomprehensible generosity towards others. Number one, show it with your money. Show it with your money. Now, generosity involves a lot more than your money, which we're going to find out through the course of the remainder of our time today. But it still does involve your money. The Macedonians were poor, extremely poor even. But look at what the text says about their giving. Verse 2 says that they showed a wealth of generosity. Verse 3 says that they gave beyond their means. Friends, biblically speaking, financial generosity is never about an amount It's always about equitable sacrifice. The Bible speaks of percentages rather than sums. So Alexander the Great's gold coins might dwarf the Macedonians' offering in street value. But from a sacrificial standpoint, the Macedonians gave a lot more. And what this teaches us is that financial generosity doesn't involve just the wealthy. Financial generosity doesn't doesn't affect you once you get that next promotion or once you graduate from college or for the boys and girls in the room once you grow up. The Bible teaches us that all of us, each of us, is to be financially generous because it's never about amount, it's about percentage. It's about sacrifice. And so here's what this teaches us. Gifts from the most impoverished member of Mill City Church, those gifts are just as crucial in the mission of our church and to God's economy as the gifts from the wealthiest. So this morning, if you're not regularly giving to the overall budget of our church family, I want to encourage you to start there first. Start there first. From the scriptures, I would encourage you to begin by giving at least 10% of your gross income to your local church. It's a good starting point. It's good training wheels for financial generosity. But perhaps you're in a place today where you're doing that. You've been doing that and God has blessed you. God has blessed you financially in your life. 
I would encourage you to not see 10% as the ceiling of your giving, but to see 10% as the floor of your ceiling, where God might be calling you today to expand your percentages. Perhaps there are people in this room today that through this sermon, hearing from the Macedonian example, you might increase your giving to 15% or 20%, 25% or more. I don't know how God has wired you financially. I don't know what he's doing in your life. But I do want you to know that that is an option that would honor God with your finances. But I'd encourage you to not only think about it in that terms, in those terms of giving to your local church, but I'd also encourage you to simply be generous with how you approach money. I want you to hear this. I want you to be financially responsible, okay? I believe in financial responsibility. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of Proverbs, the Bible believes in financial responsibility too. But here's what I don't want you to be. I don't want you to be a financial hoarder. I want you to be financially generous. I want you to be generous. I want you to be the type of disciple of Jesus that holds on to his or her resources with very loose clutches. Who, are, who is, you are ready to give and to share at, at an ask. Now, there are two polar opposites where we could be today. One is if you struggle with hoarding. So you're the person who's just constantly is putting away for a rainy day. You are constantly investing in that 401k. You are constantly investing so much so that that's your bottom line. And your best friend is your CPA. I would ask you to pray to God and ask him to work in your heart to loosen the clutches that your money may have on you. But then I want to talk to the converse, right? So the, the opposite of that could be this extreme, that you're just really bad with money. And you blow through money. And you live beyond your means. And you don't have a budget in place. I would implore you, perhaps, to reach out to a brother or sister who's maybe a little wiser in this regard, maybe a little more experienced. They might could help you construct a budget and help you work towards some financial goals, but regardless, here's why I want you to let, let loose of those bad money habits that we may have. Whether you're the hoarder or whether you're the overspender, I want you to do it so that you can be more generous. I want you to do it so that you'll be more generous and reflect the heart of God with your financial giving. Operate generously. Be willing to pick up the tab at lunch or dinner with a friend or, or family member. Purchase and give gift cards to those in your sphere or your church family who have, they, maybe they have a specific need or you just simply want to bless them in a specific way. I think about the food service industry. This pandemic has really hit the tourism and hospitality industry hard. I want you to think about those waiters and those waitresses at the restaurants you frequent and perhaps during this holiday season and around Thanksgiving and Christmas, you might give a, a, a much larger gratuity this holiday season to simply bless those who are blessing you. I know some friends and I, through the years, we've done this practice on, on a uh, semi-regular basis at different times. Is If we're out with a group of five or maybe ten people, and I know that we can't really gather at a table much bigger than five or six these days, but... There have been times where we've been out together sharing a meal 
and uh, we get to the end where it's time to pay, and one of us will just simply say, okay, I'll pay for the meal. And I get it, that's kind of expensive for five to ten people, but I'll pay for the meal, and then the rest of us, what we will do is we will take the price of our dinner or our lunch, and we're going to throw it in as gratuity, and then what ends up happening is that waiter or waitress ends up walking away with a $100 or $200 tip, and it just blows their socks off. To simply bless people. Brothers and sisters, this is Chris, not the Lord. But what I'm challenging you to do is be creative. Be creative, but be generous. Be generous with your money. Secondly, be generous with your stuff. Be generous with your stuff. The Bible tells us that everything we have has been given to us by God. So regardless of the human means through which we acquired it, you know, maybe I saved up and bought it myself, or maybe my parents gave it to me from my birthday or Christmas, however I may have received it through earthly means, it was ultimately the Lord who provided it, the Lord who gave it. So my admonition to you is resist treating it like it's yours and yours alone for no one else's benefit. Right? We know this when we're like three or four. Mine. Mine. Is there a little boy or a little girl out there who this week have said mine? Mine. A couple of college students are raising their hands, right? So here's my question to you. Do you have something that another brother could use? Then let him borrow it. Are you getting rid of something because you just bought a new one? Consider giving it to a brother or sister instead of selling it on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Seek to be a blessing through those means. Do you have hand-me-downs, clothes, baby items? Consider giving it to a place like Goodwill or the Salvation Army or to perhaps a crisis pregnancy center. Partner with organizations and ministries so that others can use what you will never use anymore. Again, brothers and sisters, be creative, but guard against cherishing your stuff so much that no one else benefits from what God has blessed you with. Be generous with your money. Be generous with your stuff. Be generous with your time. With your time. It has been wisely said that time is more valuable than money. And while that's most definitely true, I want you to think about how much of an equalizer time is. A variety of socioeconomic levels exists in this room or through the online audience today. Our bank accounts, our 401ks, if we have that, they're at various levels. But every one of us in this room, every one of us watching today on every single week, has the exact same number of hours, 168 hours, a little over 10,000 minutes. Every one of us, each week, gets the same. What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with them? I just want to ask a simple question. Are you generous with your time?
Now, I'm not asking you because there are some of you who are big overachievers and you're already stretching yourself in so many ways. Don't hear me preach today saying, oh man, Pastor Chris is just demanding more. I need to do more. I need to do more. Well, perhaps part of your being generous with time is simply scheduling in some alone time to simply rest and Sabbath and recharge with the Lord. That may be where you are, but there are others of us who we squander hours on social media with video games, binge-watching our favorite episodes of whatever. And I would implore you today, examine your schedules. God, how could I be more generous with my time? Just simply being with other people. And, 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 there, and this is where number four kind of goes in concert with number three here. Be generous with your time, but also be generous with your abilities. With your abilities. I shared, I shared earlier that generosity is most definitely more than our money. It involves our money, but it's more than our money. God has also richly bestowed gifts, talents, abilities inside of you and he hasn't given those to you just so that you could step back and say wow God has really blessed me right I mean like that's not why God has blessed you God has blessed you so that you will be a blessing whatever it is there are those of us in this room who work in the trades And I am so blessed week in and week out, year in and year out, as I watch you go to other members' households and you just simply help with something that's going on in their house and you do it without charge. Whether it's electrical or plumbing or a a, a construction type project that needs to be done, God has gifted you with your hands in such a way and you seek to be a blessing with what he's given you. Others of you, God has blessed you richly with your intellect. And when it comes to academics, you just simply comprehend mathematics and sciences in ways that are very difficult for others. Might God want to use you to bless somebody else by tutoring them and helping them to understand what's difficult for them so that they might be a better student? But however it might be, God has gifted you and wired you with passions, gifts, talents and abilities that he doesn't want you to simply hoard up and just say wow I'm really good at this and and might I just say this I didn't share this with a 9 a.m service this is something special for you I guess resist the temptation of thinking that what God has gifted you with doesn't matter to anybody else No, your gifts and your talents and your abilities can be a huge blessing to other people. The difference is intentionality. Will you be intentional in searching out opportunities to bless others with what God has blessed you with? So be generous with your abilities. And lastly, brothers and sisters, be incomprehensibly generous with your attitude. With your attitude, I've shared from personal experience throughout this pandemic some of my um, exchanges with, let's just say, uh, not exactly the best of human existence. 
And whether it's been from being shouted at in the grocery store because I wasn't walking down the aisle the right way or um, have a guy cuss me out using all different kinds of profanities because I was jogging on the sidewalk a little too close to him and his wife, this pandemic has most definitely brought out the worst in people. And, and if we are honest with ourselves, I think that each of us would recognize some of the ways it's brought out the worst in us. But brothers and sisters, the Bible calls us to be distinctly different in this world. And so I just wonder what it might look like for us to be generous with our attitudes and our dispositions, particularly as we go into the holiday season. You know, the malls are crazy at Christmas time anyway. I, I, I'm kind of a little bit on edge of what that's going to look like in a socially distanced world. But I think we can at least deduce that Christmas shopping is going to demand a little bit more patience than normal this year. What would it look like to be the guy or the woman in the cashier's line with that extra dose of grace and compassion and patience to those who are around you and to those who are working so diligently just to put food on their table and to serve the customers in front of them? Be generous with your attitude. That generosity matters just as much as your financial generosity. I would argue to you, friends, that if, if we were to walk out of this place today as a holy army of generosity in this intense, selfish world in which we're living, it will be incomprehensible to many whom we cross paths with. I want to close with a little lesson from history. Rodney Stark is a historian and sociologist who has extensively studied the reasons why Christianity spread in the Roman Empire. And the Greco-Roman world was struck by several plagues or epidemics, particularly in the 2nd and 3rd uh, and 4th centuries. And Stark traces how the Christian's response to those plagues differed dramatically from that of those who maintained traditional polytheistic um, pagan beliefs. The Roman Emperor Julian said this, The impious Christians support not only their poor, but ours as well. Everyone can see that our people lack aid from us. Dionysius, the Bishop of Alexandria, noted this, that during the epidemic, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred death to themselves and died in their stead. The pagans behaved in the very opposite way. At the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and even fled away from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead. Now, I recognize this morning that although we are living through uh, the most serious pandemic that we've experienced in America in a century, that it's nowhere close to what many of the experiences were in these early centuries most of which because they didn't have access to the sophisticated healthcare system that we have access to. However, if the 2nd, 3rd, 4th century Christians 
were so generous and so sacrificial with what they had and how they viewed life and other human beings around them, if it took such notice in the second and third centuries for all the way up to the emperor of Rome, don't you think today, brothers and sisters, in the midst of our turbulence and in the midst of our unsettling, chaotic times, don't you know that God will use your incomprehensible generosity in much the same way to be an apologetic to a watching world of the genuineness of the Christian faith. I want to go back from where we start, all the way to where we started this morning. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of our turbulent times, what I hope that you see from the scriptures is that Jesus wants us to practice a generosity that suits our royal identity. A generosity that suits us as his Christ followers. Father, I pray today that you would write your word on our hearts. I pray today that you would give us faith to believe that what you wrote is true. And that you would give us the empowerment to live that which is true. And Lord, I pray today that you would loosen our grips of our stuff and our money. That we would hold it loosely so that we may share it liberally and lavishly. Father, I pray that our attitudes and our dispositions, that they would match the dispositions of the Macedonian Christians. That we would be begging others for the opportunity to serve them just like the Macedonians begged for the opportunity to give to those in Jerusalem. Lord, I also pray for us that if we're in this room or we're watching and the lavish love of Jesus Christ has not been experienced by us, I pray today that you would soften hearts and you would draw them to yourself and today might be the first day where they would say, I want Jesus to take over the control of my life and they would begin walking with Jesus today and then they would reach out to someone and let them know about it. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.